Traffic was frozen, drivers watching the students collect on Telegraph Avenue. She left the curb, threading between the cars. He followed, coming up to her on the far side. You'll find your way, she'd said. It was true, Sam thought. He was lost, and it was visible to a total stranger. Ah, fucking but the hippies. moment they'd shared, there was more to it than that. They'd had some kind of understanding. He couldn't divine its source, but he could feel it. She was watching him out of the corner of her eye. Can I call you? He said. She recoiled as if his eyes were flames that might burn her. Then she nodded. The crowd was thick with coughing students. Demonstrators with black armbands were arguing with police in blue jumpsuits. The way the sunlight glinted off the mucus was so romantic. (laughs) Sam felt in his pocket and found a pen. I don't have anything to write on. She shook her head. Neither did she. A group of protesters barged up Telegraph, shouting and fording... I've written things on my own hand, you know, like if I needed to get someone's number in the club back in the day. I've done that. It's 1969. Go back into the fucking restaurant and get a book of matches. Yeah. A group of protesters barged up Telegraph, shouting and forcing people off the curb. She was sideswiped, elbowed into the crowd. Sam lunged, circled her with his arm, and pulled her across the sidewalk into the corner smoke shop. This writing is unbearable. Oh my god, these sentences. He reached for a magazine with white on the cover, put a dollar on the counter, and turned back, handing the pen and magazine over without looking at her. She wrote her name down and was halfway through her number when she stopped and raised her eyes. I want to die. (laughs) As if she was unsure that what she'd seen was really there. He gazed at her, fool in the face, and the power that leapt between them made the pinpoint tear the cover. She tightened her grip and completed the number. Why don't they just do it in the road? Why don't we do it in the road? He pushed the door open and they stepped back into the crowd. She handed him the magazine and pen. I'm Sam, he said. Hello, Sam. She smiled, fear edging her eyes. I'm Sam. This is Frodo. That's always a good sign. Uh We've met. We've had our meat cute, which involves tear gas. Yeah, as they do. And now you're smiling with fear in your eyes because I asked for your number. Yeah, this is a healthy foundation for a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Then she turned and started across Telegraph. Sam stood watching. At the peak of her stride, she seemed to glide, as if gravity had lost control of her. His heart was thumping. She immediately shot through the roof from inertia. (laughs) She started floating uncontrollably. (laughs) (laughs) Sam leapt and grabbed onto her shoes, trying to keep her from floating off into outer space. I've just made this book better. (laughs) And then an alien popped out of her chest. Boom! (laughs) I thought it might be interesting if you were having a story like this. Yeah. And it's lucid and it's going along and then things start getting weird and wild. Because at some point in like the, the near future, the character that is recounting the moment that we are currently in takes some kind of drug which muddles the memory that we are experiencing now leading up to the point where they take the drug. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I could see that being done well if done well. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, know, like, you can do fun it? things with unreliable narrators like that, but I hate this. <laughs> Joe, I I wish I had the same rhythmic sense that you do, because, like, the rhythm doesn't bother me. I I don't know why. Feels like every every sentence now just feels like getting hit in the head with a hammer. Yeah. I hate the way it sounds. It's so 
droning and horrible and it's it's really making me angry i've had you try to explain this to me because i I was afraid that my own writing has it and i just can't comprehend like what you're going i think it's because you're more musically attuned than i am yeah i also i don't know it's it's interesting because i'm not maybe it's because i'm reading it it could be that you're reading it and because i'm here but i'm not i'm not picking up on that in this book Mm -hmm as much and i i honestly think that for all its weaknesses and they are already many Mm -hmm. the prose isn't necessarily one of them there are some at at the very least his use of language like use of metaphor and it's not painful yeah there's some interesting symbolism being done it's not polished prose but it's not bad for its roughness We've read much worse books. Much worse. Much worse. It's just the barrage of short sentences. Sure, yeah. Is is so obnoxious to me. I hate it. I don't, now I know how Kane feels like most of the time before <laughs> the show. Good. You should have to feel this now. <laughs> <laughs> Sam stood watching. At the peak of her stride, she seemed to glide as if gravity had lost control of her. His heart was thumping. He looked at the magazine. Alaska Sportsman. Okay, ask one. The white on the cover was a ram with golden horns standing on a mountain precipice. It was then I knew that my fursona was a ram. (laughs) Lindy and a phone number were written across the animal's chest. Sam's finger felt where the pen had cut, imagining the tension in her hand. When he looked up, he saw Josh Schumann moving toward him, quivering with emotion and shaking his head, a black armband around his sleeve. In the wake of the attack on the campus and his unexpected encounter, Sam was glad to see a familiar face. Even so, he coiled the magazine. Josh jabbed Sam's shoulder and snarled at the guards. Pigs. Sam grinned. Josh's rancor vanished, and he laughed like a five-year-old, bangs jumping on his forehead, his grown-up eyes trapped between them. You got gassed. Josh noticed Sam's swollen lids. Sam nodded, wide-eyed, suggesting something unworldly. What was it like? Josh wondered, playing along. (laughs) It sucked. (laughs) I was in the cloud, Sam spoke like a prophet. I reached out, and an angel came down. Josh saw Sam's longing. Some chick, he guessed. Sam nodded. Sad, but wise. She's going to stay with me. It's about time, Josh said. Across the street, two policemen were cuffing a demonstrator over the hood of a car. Amazingly... Uh, we haven't learned anything about what Josh looks like. Nope, just that he's tall. No, not even I bet that. he's made of poo. Didn't we learn that he was like we six learned, five? No, or no, Sam. Sam. Oh, right. Sam right. was six foot tall. Okay. I don't, Josh, I don't... his friend, is wearing a black armband. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we know about him. We don't right. know the color of his tights, or whether his uh, side boob is visible through his vest. Kind of wish it was. My personal head is that. Josh is the invisible man and he identifies himself with the black armband. So it's just Sam talking to a black armband. Done. A floating that is black armband. Headcanon. <laughs> Come on. Josh forced his way through the corner crowd and started down Telegraph, away from campus. Sam followed. They skirted a group of students huddled around a woman with a water pail and sponge. <sighs> a pair of jeeps drove past with guardsmen in masks. What's going on? Sam said. It's war and we're the enemy. They've got a tank down at the marina. What's with the armband? Vigil for Rector. We march to the Chancellor's house. Rector? I barely knew Josh rolled his eyes. The guy who was killed? Sam nodded, recalling. 
We've got to do something. David, David, stop. David, stop. I was going to make a funny quip about having a tank at the marina and tanks can't float. Have a boat at the marina. But you just kept reading sentences and it completely threw me off track and I couldn't make the joke. The rhythm of it just bashed the joke out of your head. Yeah, it just knocked it right out of my fucking head. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's It's not your fault. Well, now we know this book consumes humor and produces madness. (laughs) This book is like what cornflakes were meant to be. Covered in cocaine? (laughs) You guys hear that? That's the thing going right over my head. So cornflakes were invented as an alternative to masturbation. Wait, what? Yeah, Kellogg, the guy that uh, developed Kellogg's cornflakes, he also had a... uh, a retreat, a health retreat, where a large part of the thing was like learning how to live without polluting your body. With masturbation? With anything, sex, masturbation, anything that would yeah. be, you know, sinful or not good. Yeah. Any indulgence Any or pleasure, really, yeah. So you went there to stop eating food? Because, you know, your body produces a desire to eat food when you're low on something. No, you still have to eat. That's why he made the cornflakes. Yeah. Because the cornflakes are something are so that, you terrible can eat that you can eat when you're, when you're feeling urges. Yeah. They're just so bland that, uh, yeah. You just replace the urge to masturbate with a big bowl of cornflakes. Mm-hmm. Just in case anyone who doesn't know and is listening to the podcast, masturbation's healthy. Don't worry about it. Yeah. If you want to do it, just do it and don't worry about it. I mean, don't do it like on the bus or, or in a public right. place. Much like writing, it's fine to do in the privacy of your own home, and wash your hands when you're done. Wait, what? It was a Robert Heinlein quip. Okay. Talking about masturbation being much like writing. It's something that's fine to do if you're in the privacy of your own home, and just make sure to wash your hands when you're done with it. Oh, gotcha. Which, yeah. Does anyone else get the feeling that we stole David from a much more intellectual podcast? No. (laughs) Being David, (laughs) I I can... I do like that idea, though. I'm very aware that that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fun fact that kind of ties into that. The same interview where uh, Rich Shapiro talked about how he was waiting and waiting and waiting to get good ideas. And then he just said, fuck it and wrote a book anyway. He was asked, do you have any special writing rituals? To which he replied, I like to have sex while I'm writing. <laughs> like while? That's what he said. Huh. I... Huh. Yeah. I'm sorry to all of his lovers. Yeah. He's just got a legal pad on someone's back, just longhanding. <laughs> he's writing while he's longhanding, right? <laughs> nice. That's good. <laughs> Here's how it works. Here's the ritual. In order for him to write, and Joe, this is why his sentences are so short and blunt. Like, when he gets the climax, he writes on the back of the person he's doing with his own semen. Oh, and then just, like, hits it with a blacklight to to transcribe it? Yes. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So, this happened. I'm sorry, I'm just, uh, that that took me down, like, a a weird (laughs) Burroughs cut up kind of i yeah yeah yeah. i went places there i'm sorry i (laughs) i I wish we had the technology to capture the internal journey that you went on (laughs) (laughs) i'm just picturing david like his gaze goes on focus (laughs) and you see like a backdrop of world war ii footage (laughs) (laughs) flashback to that time i read slaughterhouse five Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a meta joke it is (sighs) 
Sam watched a girl in tie-dye pinning notices to the plywood boarded over the store's broken windows. I don't care about any of this. It's a carnival, Josh. Throwing firecrackers at Daddy. Yeah, I don't care about any of it either, but you keep writing it. (laughs) Don't be an elitist. Sam shook his head. There's no higher view. The flower children are making yogurt, the bikers are shooting smack, and the lowbrows are sniffing glue. Fifty years from now, people will look back and say, what a bunch of idiots. Well, that's that part's true. Yeah. We're all playing our part. Josh's sigh betrayed his own disheartenment. Sitting in class for four years, soaking up worthless information, we learned more on LSD. Any news on grad school? Josh asked. Not yet, Sam said. I got my acceptance letter yesterday. Sam stared at him. (laughs) Another five years and I'm a professor. Josh hung his head. You're going to do it, Sam said. Probably. Sam looked away. I need the fellowship. That's a given with your fans. We'll see. You give a great lecture on Blake, Josh said. Might as well get paid for it. Do you think I could hit myself hard enough in the skull with my microphone to just black out for a while? Um, I recommend copious amounts of hard liquor. Okay, all right. Gotta do it quick, though, like right after the podcast. Just up in the bottle. No, 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 like right now. You just go grab a <laughs> bottle of fucking rum yeah, and just, just, just empty that yeah. motherfucker. Just grab yourself a fifth and from breaking the seal all the way down to the bottom of the bottle. That'll get you there. Because I want the podcast to stop. <laughs> well, Joe, you know how to make the podcast stop. You just have to open up all the doors. The doors of perception? Let the internal pressure blow everything out. What the, the fuck? The doors of perception. You... Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean. No, no. The, the doors of the, the moon base is what he's oh, referring to. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But don't do that. No. That's why we put those blast doors <laughs> in there. <laughs> yeah. Dying via vacuum would suck. Yeah. I see what you did there. more credit than i deserve <laughs> fucking idiot clown <laughs> also technically it wouldn't suck it's like... <laughs> uh, i don't know man vacuums suck i'm out <laughs> it's up to the three of you to finish this episode i'm gonna go nope that's not how this works joe you did this you know what i'm this done was... i'm leaving yeah <laughs> Okay, real quick, if if there's any generous listeners out there that would donate $30, I could buy a slide whistle for moments like this. <laughs> <sighs> slide whistles are weirdly expensive. Do we want to, like, because I'm really bored of this. Um, I kind of want to die a little bit. <laughs> Do we want to fast forward to the part where he goes to Alaska and becomes a ram person for the last half hour, 40 minutes, and see if that improves things let's just keep going here okay yeah really do we have to let's see if it gets to the cut and thrust of the point of chapter one because it just kind <laughs> of meanders. <and> <sighs> the closer it looms the odder it seems i've always thought of school as a rehearsal not the main event there's always business josh said that's actually kind of a good line it's climbing the human pyramid either way that's what adults do theo signed a recording contract last week Sam didn't react. Maybe you should have stuck with him, Josh said. The future, Sam thought. Who talks like this? (laughs) Uh, Josh and Sam? I hate them. He remembered the long nights they had wrestled with the alternatives together. It was easier a few centuries ago, Josh said. 
You just looked at your last name. Cutler? I'll make knives. Sam's gaze drifted eastward, into the Berkeley Hills. Carter? Josh said. I'll make carts. Sam's shoulders stiffened, like someone about to be sentenced, unjustly accused. Dick Rubber? I'll manhandle chickens. Manhandle your chickens. Schumann? I'll make shoes. Josh laughed. Sam? get the point. I'm thinking. You're not here, man. I'm looking at you. I'm talking to you. But you're not here. I'm wondering. About what? There's something beyond all this. He spoke of the waking world as if it was a rapper. We see hints in books and music. We feel it when we're coming or when we're high. When the things that don't matter are stripped away. We can't just pick up our diplomas and forget. You also get it if you're Arnold in the gym. I'm just going to go, I'm going to read Catcher in the Rye while you're reading this and enjoy myself slightly more. I actually like Catcher in the Rye. Really? I cannot stand that book. A lot of people can't, and I understand why. I think maybe I just read it young enough that it was, you know, I was at a point where like, oh yeah, this guy gets it. And and I think that's why I was able to kind of have an affection for it. I don't know. I, I read the book. And I remember having a period of thinking like, yeah, Holden Caulfield, I get it. I get where you're coming from. I understand all of this. Absolutely. (laughs) I got to the end of the book and I couldn't tell you a goddamn thing that had happened (laughs) in that novel. Not a one. I have no idea. And on that note, (laughs) there are two things that I want to say about writing. Whether you're good or bad, if you're forgettable, you're nothing. Right. Secondly, if you're going to have abrupt, quippy dialogue like this that is the writer like oh this is how smart people talk and if you're gonna do that make sure that your dialogue is actually like rapier wit style it's gotta actually be of the quality or it's just gonna clank yeah i mean there's something to that for sure but you also don't want all of your dialogue to sound like it was scripted yeah people don't talk that way people don't really talk this way although i also Keep in mind that what we're doing, Mm -hmm. by its very nature, we generally, on this podcast, manage to read a chapter of something. And it takes us, you know, 45 to 90 minutes to get through a chapter. Mm -hmm. If I'm reading a book on my own, a chapter is like a 10 to 15 minute journey. Right, right. So this really, like, the format of what we're doing absolutely makes things much more noticeable this feels like it's taking for fucking ever yeah i don't want to do anymore i I just don't (laughs) i feel like i am in the midst of a bad trip yeah um but yeah the larger point that i was making about catcher in the rye like this idea of like yeah man this everything is bullshit man like fucking we thought that school was gonna be it was like whatever like everything cool was gonna come after that so many other better writers have explored those ideas. And also, David, I fully understand what you're saying. However, every time you bring up this point, I'm going to hammer you to a cross. And the nails that I'm going to use to do it is going to be something wicked this way comes. Where we read a <laughs> chapter of that and it was wonderful. It's true. It's true. And, you know, there are exceptions. But it also did take us like 90 minutes to read a chapter versus the the Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 minutes that i can read it in my head right because of these wild tangents that we go wild tangents and just the nature of reading something out loud taking longer i wish i read fast like you guys i'm a slow reader Hmm. do you have an internal monologue david or do you just think ideas um both okay yeah both uh depends on the 
situation, the moment. And like, I, I was just thinking about that earlier today, actually, that sometimes someone will say something and I will respond with something that seems completely out of the blue Mm -hmm. but it's because in the space of like less than a second my brain jumps from idea to idea to idea and then suddenly i'm like oh this makes total sense based on what they were just saying Mm -hmm. yeah right and sometimes i'll even do the opposite of that where i'll just be having a conversation in my mind and then i'll say like the conclusion or the oh yeah like what developed from that out loud oh yeah with no context context, just finishing the conversation you were having with yourself Mm -hmm. to another person right always great we should get a new garage door opener (laughs) what the fuck yeah i would much rather talk about garage door openers than continue having to listen to this goddamn book well i think right now (laughs) we're about to get to the point of the chapter here and i i think we've already figured out what it is but you know Mm -hmm. I am interested in the bit where he goes to Alaska and becomes a right. ramshaw. Do you know exactly where that is, David? No. So then let's not worth the journey. Well, let's finish this chap. Oh my God. Yeah, sure. <laughs> You're a drug all your own. Josh sounded wistful. My favorite, I think. You're the only real friend I have, Sam said. That's not true. Tell me, Josh, your honest opinion. Is there any greatness in me? His voice lilted with doubt. You know the answer, Josh said. In his heart, there was something that glowed like a gypsy's fire seen across the hills and mists of night burning in a wild land. I know exactly what that looks like. This is very pretentious. Sam's voice brimmed with feeling. (laughs) He's quoted here, by the way. These are quotes that Sam is doing. Mm. Sam's voice brimmed with feeling. Probably Blake. Rimmed. (laughs) These are the gems of the human soul, the rubies and pearls of a lovesick eye, the countless gold of the aching heart, the martyr's groan and the lover's sigh. The corners of his mouth drew down and a softness circled his cheeks. I want to reach for something precious to make whatever sacrifice that requires. It's also (laughs) vague and grandiose. Purity of heart, poetry and daydreams. He gave Josh a helpless look. Nothing like a career or a job. Some people do that, Josh said. Do what? Do Follow what, a do dream. What, do what? Sam saw the ardor in his <sighs> friend's eyes. Not a corporal dream, Josh said, of deeds or possessions. A dream of the soul, of the spirit. I hate this. I resonate with this. I don't think it's well written, but I understand the, the whole um, concept here. Like, like the, the ideas. I mean, are valid, but the way they're ex- being expressed is so headass <laughs> that, that I can't empathize with it. Yeah, David, I, I know like the author is doing this conversation would have been much better suited for the bathroom with the girl that he had a weird connection with. Well, this is his best friend. Mm-hmm. And like, if we were just like kind of high and like, man, man, I just don't I just don't get it. Like, I see that there should be, like, like then, like, like, maybe. He did say that they learned more on LSD than... Right. Yeah, but we're in the middle of a riot, and they're just having this conversation. Well, I mean, I don't even... It's not even about that. It's just, I don't know, just this prose is so annoying yeah, to me. Yeah, I hear you. That it makes it hard to engage with its ideas. I think this says a lot about the book, how we all dislike it, but we don't agree on the aspects that we dislike about it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. 
We all know it's bad. We can't say why. We just know that it is. <sighs> then Kane's just just angry. No. Kane is just the manifestation. I'm not the no, manifestation of anger. I'm the no manifestation of, ugh, get on with it. If we're going to finish this thing, then just do it. <laughs> I want to. Then do it. Well, then I'm trying. <laughs> I got to be able Stop to read more than a sentence. I know. Without people telling me how shitty this All thing right, that I'm reading read it, is. Read it. Read it. <laughs> just read it. Stop fighting. <laughs> Dear God, read it. Sam nodded. <laughs> Josh yearned for some home for the aspirations he was about to set aside. Growing up means letting go of that, doesn't it? Not for everyone. I don't have a dream worth devoting my life to, Sam said. You might find one. Josh smiled. No bird soars too high if he soars with his own wings. Shouts came from a rooftop lined with students. A dozen Berkeley policemen hurried down the street, clubs in their fists. From the crowded sidewalk, hisses rose. You're supposed to talk me down, Sam said. Josh shook his head. You're unusual, Sam. You're at home in the void. It's too bad acid isn't legal. You'd have made it as a guide. I don't want the void. I don't want fantasies. I want something real. Not another fragment of truth to puzzle over the morning after an acid trip. I want to live in a new world, a true one of my own devising. Sam's features quickened, gaze turning inward. Inexhaustible desire at the service of a unique perception. That's what life should be. A journey of the mind and heart that gives birth to something like Hopkins' Inkscape or Mackin's Hieroglyphics. Germinating an idea like that, tending it, urging it to grow until it roots itself in you and takes you over and your life becomes the proof of it. He raised the coiled magazine, extending his finger to touch the air. Something so concrete you can feel its edges a century later. Sam halted mid-stride. <sighs> he stared at the magazine and unrolled it. Josh looked over his shoulder. There's a picture of freedom, Sam said. The magazine cover was a window to a distant realm. Sam imagined he had stepped through it and was with the animal, standing on that small shelf a scrap of green carpet without tree or brush, surrounded by rugged peaks. Pure white with black hooves, the ram bore a striking nobility, his golden horns curled nearly full around. Look how high he is! Sam could feel the ram's exhilaration, his love of precarious is he altitude. Is furry awakening? Because I'm way more interested now. The Hush, command of vast going, terrain, the clarity of vast <laughs> space. What's this about? Josh said. I just grabbed... Sam stopped, wondering. He'd seen the animal out of the corner of his eye. Had it been unconscious? Maybe he found me. He imagined the wild creature leaping from mountain to mountain, headed for the corner smoke shop. There's wisdom in his eyes, Josh said. He got some you to write her number on his chest. Sam nodded. He lives on love. For him, sex is like rocket fuel. They laughed. Sam coiled the magazine and slid his free hand into his pant pocket. As they continued down the street, he drew his hand out and extended it. A pair of pink capsules rolled into Josh's palm. Josh examined the caps. Christopher? He had a grocery bag full of them. Josh put the caps in his pocket. He's going off the deep end. Keep your distance. Sam didn't reply. Do you guys reply. think that if I took my little fidget toy that weighs no more than a pound, like if I tried really hard, do you think I could throw it through my window? Yeah. Yeah, if you threw it hard enough, yeah. Yeah. Can we let David finish this so we can get away from this goddamn book? <laughs> a friend of Theo's just got sent to Lompoc. No future in that. Locked in a cage with psychopaths for 15 years. Speaking of which, 
His expression was apologetic. What? Julia called. Sam exhaled. When his sister couldn't reach him, she phoned Josh. She said, I don't want to know. Sam's gaze returned to the crestline of the hills. Their hearts are dead. Give them some of this acid, Josh patted his pocket. That would change them. It might, Sam nodded. It might change you, too. Josh didn't reply. Sam regretted his words. You'll be a great teacher, the kind we hoped we'd find. Josh shrugged. I mean it, Sam said. Been a while since we got high together. We had some good times. We'll have more, Sam said. Still taking acid alone? Sam nodded. The corner ahead was crowded. A girl, naked to the waist, was handing flowers to the soldiers posted there. Josh peered at Sam. Is our friendship going to survive the future? Of course. Oh my god. Just checking. They reached the corner and gazed east. Up haste. There were guardsmen flanking the street entrance. Beyond, People's Park was visible, surrounded by a chain-link fence the military had erected five days earlier. They were using it as their headquarters, and there were tents and trucks and soldiers bivouacked inside. Josh glanced at the magazine in Sam's hand. Who's Lindy? You guys, uh, you guys mind if I imagine the vest girl as Sybil Danning? I don't mind that. Yeah, I'm not going to police your thoughts. Is that the end of the chapter? That was the end of the chapter. All right, fine. All right, great. <laughs> this book was stupid. Yeah, the first-hand accounts of of the 60s, like, that stuff is very interesting to me, because this person was there. It's just when there's long stretches of dialogue that I contemplate <laughs> diving out my window and seeing if I can survive another two-story fall. <laughs> okay, so I may or may not have done a fair amount of psychedelics in my life. Sure, in Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For the movie. Mm -hmm. But if you do a fair amount of psychedelics, you know, it does kind of change your way of thinking about things. Sure. And I don't know, like machine elves aside, there's something to be said for what he was talking about. The idea that a life shouldn't be about just grasping to earn. Oh, yeah. And it should be about, you know. That. Yeah. And I, I, I understand the basic premise here, I think, fairly well. Which is, at least as it's been displayed in the minimal amount of chapter that we read, mm -hmm. or the one chapter that we read, uh -huh. I think, okay, I am bored with my life and I do a lot of drugs, so I'm going to go live on a mountain in Alaska to become a ram mm -hmm. is a weird take. It is, but it's an interesting take. It is an interesting take, and I think the failing here for me was that I am this book's audience, for fuck's sake. Like, sure. I hate the band Fish, but mm -hmm. this was handed out at Fish shows. Right. It's handed out at college campuses. They're trying to get this book into the hands of me. Mm -hmm. And thanks, Joe. Yeah, I mean, you own it now. Enjoy it. Right, yeah. I'll never touch it again because I hate this fucking character. Right. This book was written for me, and I can't get into it because mm -hmm. I don't like the main character at all. This is a dude who at like 20 was thinking of being a college professor and was obsessed with Blake mm -hmm. and does a lot of LSD. Mm -hmm. This book was written for me. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to make a point here because as we were saying, the whole philosophical discussions, mm -hmm. unless you're an excellent author that knows what they're doing, don't open 
with that. It's fairly audacious to put that in chapter one of getting to know characters. Like you, you might, we might want to try to make your characters a little bit more human so people can relate to them. Sure. Before you put in your diatribes. Well, I mean, and again, like I want to be clear, like I've read on the road, I've read Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I've read catcher in the rye, like, all of which have similar ideas in, you know, different just, pieces just and done better <laughs> to what this book is trying to express. Yeah, just just handled better. I'm not opposed to the content of this book. You know, the story it's trying to tell has some value. But the way that it's written hurts me. Yeah. There's a reason, I think, that it was handed out for yeah. free and has found itself to the shelves of every thrift store. I wrote, like, because while David was going on and I had a lot of free time in my own head, I wrote mm -hmm. a little story about the author. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not confident enough that it's true to, like, make a declarative statement, but I like the story regardless. Little story that, that I wrote for the author is, so you're a guy who turns middle-aged and is, you know, has that crisis of realizing that you're on the lesser half like like the declining half of your <laughs> life and the most life-affirming thing you've done was be a part of the hippie movement and you can't get back to that epoch <laughs> and in desperation for validity read fear and loathing in las vegas <laughs> <laughs> you write this book because it it expresses a lot of those ideas about the aftermath of the hippie movement. Well, yeah, and you said this guy was a venture capitalist now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... There's some dovetailing there, for sure. Definitely, if he was a hippie who, you know, was part of the whole tune-in, turn-off, and drop-out, or whatever, right? Tune-in, turn-on, drop-out mm -hmm. idea. Like, so many of those people, so fucking many of those people, that they're the fucking boomers, yeah, you know? Yeah. They grew up... And they became completely obsessed with earning mm -hmm. and stability and money. Yeah. And like some of them became hardcore libertarians because sure, we can remake the world. We just have to have the power and money is the power. So we have to get the money right. so that we can remake everything. And, and you know, it's fucking SLC punk. I didn't, I didn't sell out. I bought in. Right. Right. But it's, Sadly, probably unavoidable. I don't know, man. I'm just over 40 and I'm already at a point where I'm looking back at my life like, what happened to that guy? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, though, because like I've become honestly more revolutionary as I've gotten older. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've in many ways become much more at least outspoken mm -hmm. about certain things. And I'm, yeah. you know, I... I I agree with that too, but I also, I made this joke a while ago, you know, it's still relevant, but I never thought that I would be in my forties driving a station wagon, working at a bank, married and living in the suburbs. Sure. But here we are. Yeah. And it doesn't have to define who you are, but so many people, I think, and this could be, this is a, you know, bigger conversation for sure, but that's we live in a society man mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and part of that society is that it just wears you the fuck down yeah, yeah I've, i had a moment like that uh last summer where i was like 
this is not the direction I expected my life to take when I was 20. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the thing with life and planting your flag in in any ideal or charging any hill to take it. The thing is, is that you can have those ideals, but you'll never stop getting older. Life won't stop changing. You won't stop gaining new perspectives. Um you know, it, it kind of ties back into the whole every seven years, every cell in your body is replaced. That's that true. kind of thinking like you're never you're never going to stay the same person. You're always going to be changing. Yeah, the seasons of a person's lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is my chicken soup already been made by someone else in a much better way? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think you uh, you're, you're very right. <laughs> yeah, that's a very valid a lot point. of wisdom. Yeah. I think also that uh, kind of what this book was trying to drive at and bigger part of the conversation is that you have the option of either following the path that was laid out and is the, you know, quote, proper thing to do. You can just follow the the guidelines for life. There are mm-hmm. lots of them. You go to school, you get out of school, you get a job, you live your career, you buy a house, you start a family, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. You can do those things. They're easy. They're right there. Mm-hmm. That's what most people opt into doing. Right. Benefaction with yeah. or, and that's with, how between you the build system and yourself. Society, which yeah. joke or not, meme or not, we, we do in fact yeah. you know, live in a society. So yeah. we should probably take advantage of that and look out for each other. But the other option is what? To go live on a mountain and pretend to be a ram? It's certainly an option. Yeah. I mean, do what makes you happy. If you want to go and live on an island in Hawaii, go live on an island in Hawaii. It's really easy to be homeless there. Beyond that, just live your life. And if you're ever at a point where you feel like what you're doing is wrong, stop doing it because it's not too late. You always have the choice to pick up and do some other thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't ever feel like you're failing yourself or somebody else by either picking up a new ideal or laying it down, you know, like that, that's how you figure out who you are. You take bits and pieces from your experiences, the parts that you like. So try things, just yeah. do it. I think we're mollusks, you know, in a way we build up our shell, accreting our experiences around us. And then we decide that's what we are. Sure. And I, I think that's easy to fall into. You think that you're the shell, but you're really the fleshy bit on the inside and you can always choose to leave and build something new it's hard it's dangerous mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. scary um and you might just fucking die but what other choice do you have the furnace is always an option that's true that's the yeah. furnace is always an option i'm, I'm gonna make a metal band just call it the furnace <laughs> the future this book italicized and capitalized which is why I was reading it that way. Anytime they talked about the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are we done with this for now? Yes. Yeah. I think we're done. Well, I mean, I think I'm just done. Yeah. <laughs> if one of you guys, I, I'm not going to, if one of you guys feels like scrubbing to the Ram part to see if there's anything. I'm not done with that. There. I'd be interested in, in having that conversation off the air, but for now, unless somebody else has something to add, if you got any enjoyment out of, whatever the fuck just happened you are a wizard or you're just easily amused yeah or you're incredibly high or all of the above or or you're an incredibly high easily amused wizard (laughs) in which case call me yeah we should be friends (laughs) (laughs) get a call from fucking radagast 
<laughs> but yeah, if, if you enjoyed that, then uh, don't forget to go to wegiveyoubrainworms.com. You can support this stupid project that we do. And uh, I'm really sorry about what just happened. Yeah, you should be. I, I'm, yeah. I'm I mean, sorry. it's all on you. Yeah. In fact, I think that that I'm going to stop apologizing and just let Joe apologize because this is all his fault. Sweet Jesus, this is a long book. This has been a production of Brainworms Presents. Any copyrighted content contained within is used for purposes of review. Brainworms Podcast is David Combs, Kane Magdalene, Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. The theme music is Hodgepod Number no. One by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, you can support us and learn about our other projects at wegiveyoubrainworms.com or by leaving a review on your favorite listening app. <laughs>